Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium Podcast, where we focus on breaking down risk management problems bit by bit until we find a solution. Enjoy today's episode and be sure to follow us for weekly content. All right, Mr. Chris Senkbile, producer, shareholder, risk advisor, insurtech extraordinaire. How are we doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I, I can't live up to that intro, but I'm I'm doing well. It's I don't know about that. Come on. That's all true. It's all true. Yeah, you, rose-colored glasses, I think. I just want to agree, but we, we try. We try hard. That's for sure. He's hey, that's all patronizing, can... Chris. You just got to <laughs> ignore him. <laughs> well, you, know, you got to pump up the guests a little bit, Ryan. Come on. Yeah. All right, so we I'm, I'm excited for this one. We've got you on to talk about kind of that optimal tech stack in an agency, right? And as I mentioned in that beautiful intro, you do have a couple different lenses that you're able to view this in in the industry, right? You are a producer. You are, you're actively working on bringing on new clients, managing client relationships. You help in some leadership roles in the firm. Uh, and then as well as, you know, being the founder of Pharaoh and what you guys are doing on the insurtech side. So that's where I'm, I'm excited to kind of get those different lenses throughout this conversation. I know you see a lot of different, you have a, views into a lot of different tech in, in general, right? And so let's just kind of, maybe I'll start there on what your perspective on insurtech. I think we talked the last time you were on about this, but I'm curious if that's changed a bit. Just what are we experiencing right now, you know, February 28th, 2023? Yeah, good question. I think I think it's a lot up in the air, to be honest. I think Ed, one thing is true. Everybody's scrambling to try and figure it out. And I think there's a this like this desire to to have a silver bullet, like, oh, like, you know, the switch was on, we're gonna flip it on and and everything's gonna be good. And, you know, you guys know as well as I do, like, that's just not a reality, right? Like there's some painful bits between, you know, current state, future state and how you get there. So one thing that's really kind of set in, I think, with a lot of the folks I've been talking with in in the last three or four months is is really around trying to figure out how to connect the ideal bits and bring them together inside a, an ideal agency tech stack, right? So, hey, we really like this piece of, of this solution and we really like this piece of this solution. And, and how do we actually bring those in, connect them, kind of democratize that data to a degree so it can flow where we want it to go and kind of build it for our ideal use case. And that's, I think really consistent um, right now. The the question mark though is is how, and and I think that's where everybody's kind of at. So it kind of feels like like this certain level of like people being paralyzed in that too, because it's like oh gosh, like we we see what we like, but we're just not quite sure how to get there. And so there's almost like a little lull. It feels like in the evaluation of of all these different solutions and how you get from A to B. So that seems like a really kind of consistent thing right now from like the the technical perspective, from a brokerage perspective, I think we probably largely fit in that same boat, you know, evaluating a lot of different resources and trying to figure out like how we get to optimization on those resources in as short a time period as we can. And I think that's the, you know, the other big question mark is for brokerages, hey, if we, if we use this technology, 
will it actually be able to interface well with our other technical solutions? I mine always does that too. If I don't move enough, yeah, me there. <laughs> I don't know why I haven't had the maintenance guy Ryan fix it yet, but come on, Ryan. I'm just waiting for you to get oh, carpal tunnel. So when you well, so talk about that from the brokerage perspective a little bit. Like, how should we be viewing or or analyzing the need to bring on a new piece of tech? I think your first latest test is simply, is any technology uh, set up to uh, integrate, interface, and play well in the sandbox with other tech? And if it's not, it falls way to the bottom of the list, in my opinion. I think that is is step number one, because this is, and you guys are in this space, right? It's, a, it's such a big, complex space. You know, any one company saying, hey, we could do it all. And, and we know this, right? And that's why these, all these different kind of point solutions exist, but that's also what creates the problem of how do we get them all connected, right? So it's kind of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy there to some degree in, in that regard. But I think easy first check is, can this connect with other resources or not? And if it can't like move on to the next one. And I think that a lot of that comes down to founders, like to actual leadership at you know, some of them just take the mentality of like, we're going to own, you know, the insurance world someday and in our way or the highway, and we're not going to, you know, connect with others. And I think you're seeing a lot of brokerages push them to the side right now in favor of, hey, I know for sure, like this founder, this founder, and this founder is desirous to just lift the, elevate the industry together and work together. So we're seeing, I think a lot of brokerages lean in that direction because they know at some point, they don't want to be five years down the road with a solution and have all their data locked down just like it is today, right? Yeah, that's so true. And be curious to see where the two big AMS systems take this, you know, applied and Vertifor just because those solutions were the solution for so long, you know, and I think that has shifted, but I'm not sure those business models have shifted. You know, they're still very expensive. Uh, they still, you know, want to be more than they probably are good at instead of leaning into what you're good at. And so we'll see kind of where all that goes. And if, if, you know, they become a point solution in the stack as they should be along with and play nice with everything else that's out there that can work together. And so little bits of progress there, it seems like, or at least yeah. claim. At least they claim that. Yeah. At least they claim. I've seen, I've seen like tidbits where it seems like, oh, this is a little different or a little better than it was even 12 months ago. So I think they're trying. I think it's just that it comes down to their revenue model and you you kind of shoot yourself in the foot on the on the existing rev model by, you know, going going too hard in that direction. So it'll be it will be interesting to see. I do know though, like, and we can get into kind of top to bottom or bottom to top in terms of ideal stack, but I do think you know, one thing that's consistently true is a lot of the folks I'm talking to are actively trying to figure out what it looks like to live outside of a world of either Vertifor or Applied. And, you know, building their own AMS, leveraging an AMS that's been built in Salesforce already, or some combination of all of the above. It, I think there's pros and cons to to both. You know, probably the biggest challenge there is just the overall change management organization. Yeah. Your show on, hey, we've been using this system for 30 plus years. What's it even look like to to kind of maneuver towards something different? 
But I think that on the democratization piece, that's where those new kind of AMS systems in a Salesforce or whatever other tech stack enable that for brokerage. So I think that's where they're starting to really lean into that. And I think you're going to start seeing market share start to fall a little bit with those two. I mean, it's not a ton overnight, but I think little by little, there's new entrants coming in trying to help answer the question called by brokers. So, Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the things with those that and if you're a broker agency out there, you need to be thinking about this differently. In the past, you almost had to think within the limits of your system, right? Because you did everything in there. So it's almost like the way you did business was dictated by how the system did business. That has changed significantly. There are still some things that that's the case too, but ask yourself why. Like, why are we doing this? And if that is taking a significant amount of time, energy, effort, or not allowing you to drive the experience you want to drive to your client, there's probably a solution out there for that. Now, that may not integrate directly with your AMS, or you may have to think about things differently from that perspective, but you can usually get it done. You just, you got to think outside of the current AMS that you're using and put that in the box in which you need to use it. No different than any of these other systems, right? too often it's still looked at as like, that's the cornerstone piece. We're spending so much money on it that we got to use it for everything or as much as they say it can be used for when in reality, like like applied system has an opportunity or Epic has an opportunities function to do and manage your pipeline. Like it's not good. Like there are better solutions out there, right? I hope it's better someday. Like, I hope they improve it, right? Because it would make a ton of sense. But right now it's not where it needs to be. And so if that's something you need and you need to track data and, and have visibility into it, like there are tons of systems out there that can do that, right? So think about that differently as you're going through this uh, process of designing and building out your tech stack, because there are so many solutions out there that are really, really good at handling that piece that you need, right? That's what gets difficult, right? Is yeah. Ideally, you want everything in one spot, but you're not getting what you need. So you're like, okay, well, look, we got to start piecing these solutions together and before you know it you got you know you have your documents in one place you have your emails in another and you've got a hundred different systems and none of them communicate to each other it's like there's got to be a higher level analysis almost to figure out you know your biggest pain points and or doing both right i think that's an opportunity as well as continuing down the path of doing things the way that you're doing right now and then trying these solutions in the background and see if you can build them together to get comfortable to take the leap and like get rid of a piece of tech that you're not happy with but that's ultimately the issue that we're struggling with. well i i talked to a guy the other day he was actually a former brokerage cfo and he was kind of breaking down the way he thought about things for his brokerage. I thought it was a helpful conversation, but he basically said, we allocate cost on the P&L to basically five buckets, let's say. You know, there's overhead, there's software, there's producer costs, kind of third-party resources like Apatra or Resource Pro or something like that, right? And like, kind of have these buckets. And what's challenging is, to your point, Ryan, like the AMS charge item on the software cost is easily the biggest, you know, biggest line item from a software perspective. And so it's tough for a brokerage when they're trying to think about all these different systems or resources to step back and say, okay, yeah, we're going to take on this these additional costs that 
our AMS system is telling us they should already be able to do for us, right? But maybe not very well. And so it's like, it's like this mental hurdle to get over. So then the question is, how do you like frame that as a broker when you're head of, okay, we're going to deploy, you know, certain amount of, ex, you know, cost towards these different resources while we've got this big drain on the, you know, the big ticket item. So for me, then I think it comes down to, man, yours is on a short time or two. Dude, I think mine's like 15 minutes. No, it's like five. If I fall asleep in my desk, if I fall asleep for, you know, <laughs> then it, that's when it, it happens in my office. Not quite as quick. Yeah, no, it's, it's way too quick. I, one time I was on here and I went to do that and I knocked over a water and it went everywhere in the middle of a show. It was, yeah, it was not fun. <laughs> I love it. But I think that's where, what's interesting is that like reframing it for a brokerage and thinking about where you are trying to bring value, right? And where we bring value is with our clients. That's our job. We we drive value there. So I think kind of starting there, if you're looking at, hey, we've got 101 resources we could use, right? Well, it's like, okay, what actually fuels the people who fuel us, right? And then going from there kind of upstream, and I think that's where then as a brokerage, you're you're kind of put squarely in that position of, okay, well, I'm going to incur this additional expense for whatever resources they are, but hopefully it's because it's I'm serving my clients better. I think it's a, like that's a, actually a bigger mental hurdle for a lot of brokerages to get to, I think, than I, I probably would have ever anticipated because part, I think there's still that like we're all human, like well, yeah, but what's it, what's it mean for me? You know, like what's it mean for our internal operation? You know, and that becomes the focus, not hey, what's it mean for my client's operation? You know, for sure. So let's let's work our way back then. What let's start? We've talked a lot a lot about the AMS. So, what have you seen out there? What AMS system in particular do you like? Would recommend? You know, you could however you want to approach that, like large agency, small agency, or just run yeah. the AMS. Yeah, I well, and and you guys are familiar, obviously. I think small agencies it seems like better agency is really making some yeah they're doing some cool stuff yeah some cool stuff there so you know big big proponent of those guys i think for your kind of middle-sized agencies a buddy of mine up in uh i think it's ohio i'm probably saying that wrong now but borrowed time times t-y-m-e um but they've got a, a really slick solution there that i think has a, a lot of potential a lot of good it's helps bring sales and ops into the same environment which imagine that like what a crazy concept right yeah. so i like what they're doing for sure i think there's others out there depending on but i think that's probably the two that come to mind you know right off bat that seem to be getting a lot of traction and then you know for the large large i think there's a lot of brokerages who are like hey we're just going to go build our own inside of you know salesforce financial cloud or you know whatever it is and uh, make this thing the way we want it which is fine you know there's just right why recreate the wheel if you don't have to to some degree too if there's other you know resources out there so yeah you've seen a lot more of that like broker tech you know or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it it's just it's expensive but when you look at what some of these systems cost and things like you can make the case pretty quick to go out and build it exactly the way you want it. Build it on top of Salesforce or something like that, you know, but. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Salesforce is structured such that kind of a low code sort of environment can go in and really customize it to your internal flow if you want to. 
Yeah, totally. Okay. So then that's AMS system, you know, to kind of manage once we have the client, but let's think about like client experience, any systems that, you know, you have found that really impact the client experience when it comes to how they purchase insurance, how they interact with the agency on the service side or on the sales side that, you know, specifically impacts that experience. Yeah, I think there's a bunch out there to, and I think it depends on kind of segment there. Is it small commercial, middle market, large market? Because the use case is different, right? I mean, it just is. It's small commercial is just an entirely different kind of flow. Not so much for us. Like it's still a lift to market those accounts and get them on oh, yeah. and everything. But in terms of their kind of expectations, need, uh, just the, the quantity of data and, you know, kind of volume small versus large is just different. So I think there's a lot of small commercial solutions out there that I think are really, really, really slick from a digital marketing perspective, you know, that uh, folks are using actually a cohort member that um, we went through uh, BTV with Zylo doing some really good things in that regard. Obviously you've got the bull penguins out there in the world that I think still are, are doing great things. And then I think from a middle and that's more, probably more your kind of small, small commercial, smaller size brokerage. But I think for the middle size, I think honestly, the best that I've seen out there to be entirely truthful is, is launch in terms of what you guys are doing with that just acquisition perspective. And how do we actually filter new prospect through a kind of a structured flow towards onboarding, right? And you actually bring them in brokerage. So I don't think there's a lot of solutions out there that even get close to any structure around that process. I think every broker and or brokerage is up to their own <laughs> kind of figuring that out. So love what you guys are doing there on that front. And then at, from there, after the kind of the, you know, that really uh, qualification process is what I like to think of it as, you know, is this a qualified customer or not? Taking them through. Then I think it just comes down to data capture being that next big lift for the insured to kind of engage with. And I think there's a I think there's a number of resources out there that are continuing to to kind of grow into that space to a degree. Obviously, you've got the broker Buddhas of the world out there on you know kind of applications. Um, you've got Pharaoh. You've got you got Pharaoh who's. Uh, you know, trying to trying to lean into that space and figure it out. But that's a big hairy thing too, because it you know every insured similar as they are is is dissimilar, and there's specific you you know unique use cases, right? And how do you create structure around those kind of one offs and facilitate that too? So I think that's where if I'm a brokerage, if I if I'm running a brokerage, I'm starting client at first and and layering up from there because at at that point, if I can start there. And I have free flow of that data, that information, right? Then I can start layering on top of it resources that continue to allow that data to filter through and route to wherever it needs to go, right? Either internally at the brokerage, externally. But that's definitely where I would start, which is tough because right now that's a kind of a completely different way to focus on it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Brad, you've talked about that, like, None of us have a business if we don't get out and bring on new clients into said business, right? So it's, we all want to start with like, oh, let's get all the solutions in place for, you know, managing client relationships. Well, how many client relationships do you have? Well, we're just getting started, you know? 
Yeah, well, like you said, let's start with what kind of an experience or whatnot do you want to drive, then start to figure out what's the optimal solutions I need in place to drive that and to bring on those clients. Yeah, all you really have to do is understand your client's problems, solve those problems, and then have a phenomenal feedback system, right? Yes. And have a conversation and ask them what they like and what they don't like and what you need. And it, if you do that over and over again, all everything else is going to take care of itself. Your back end is going to be built perfectly because you're going to be responding to the needs and the problems that your current clients face. And if you build your operations and your systems around that, you know, you got a shot. I think far too often we, we I mean, Ellie, I, like he said, we talk about this and we struggle with, you know, shoot, we're witnessing another firm right now. They're, they're building out their health and benefits department and they want to start really diving into the operational side and figuring out a great operational model and client experience with a dozen clients. It's like, triple your client count and then you will end up with an ideal operational backend. It's the old, uh, I think you guys have had him on or I'm totally blanking, feedback marketing. Dan Allison. Dan Allison. Dan. Exactly. It's that whole model and I think I think it's interesting like the whole brokerage community. I think sometimes we just forget about that reality of like taking customer feedback and then actually doing something with it because I think we were always able to I think it kind of like unfortunate to some degree, but we're able to pass the buck. Well, it's the insurance companies. They're such a pain in the butt, you know, and then we don't have to like actually address anything because there's always that scapegoat over there. Yeah. That's <laughs> their fault, you know, whatever. Um, so I think it, I think so it's true. super interesting though on the, on the feedback piece. Cause like when you're building technology, right. And you guys are doing that when you're building technology, all you do is listen, right. Mm-hmm. It's listen take it back to the drawing board, listen some more, take it back to the drawing board. And we don't do that with our clients sometimes uh, in the brokerage world. And it's it's kind of interesting to me. And I think, I think there's a push for that. I think it's going to continue to kind of evolve in that direction where it, that call is going to have to get answered or clients are going to go somewhere else that they can have their needs met more fully. Well, this this wave is coming, you know, where there are a lot of newer agencies starting up or there are a lot of producers inside larger agencies that are seeing the light of we can't there was this old scapegoat of like we're relying on the insurance carriers and we have to rely on them because they have certain processes and they have certain ways that we have to go about business so we our entire value proposition was centered around the insurance carrier right the renewal the audit the you know whatever it is the claim you know however they handle them like the entire thing and that's all stuff still all has to happen. And it has to happen on the carrier's timeline. But the good agents and, and firms out there are starting to say, that's great, but that's not going to be the value I drive for my client. Yeah. So they're setting up their own experiences. They're setting up their own timelines of services that are outside of the insurance uh, or delivering the insurance policy, right? Somebody, I don't know if we had them on the podcast or I heard him talking, but like years ago, it was value, an independent agent had value in just bringing multiple options to somebody and saying, hey, here's, you know, five different options for your insurance. Let's talk about which one might fit the most. That There was value in that because the yeah. buyer couldn't go out and do their own research, right? There wasn't the internet or there was, it was difficult to figure out what other options are out there. That has all gone away. Like, again, that still needs to happen, 
but that's not value to the client. They can get that anywhere, right? Um, yeah. And they can do research anywhere on that stuff. And so this wave of folks looking at it from the client experience perspective and shifting this dynamic away from the insurance carrier kind of having all the power in that is, I mean, I would argue it's already here. It's just how quickly will it kind of become the norm? You know, yeah. and if, if you're sitting back and still in this old model, like it's going to catch up to you, you're going to start to see and feel this a lot more. The way and, we try to, yeah, oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, you're done. Oh, go ahead. The way that we try to sum that up is just simply value compression. I mean, that's what it is because we don't control our top, we don't control our, how our Benjamins hit the bank account yet. So, yep. like, the only thing that we can do is fight this. Okay, well, let's add more value to the client then. That's how we're going to differentiate ourselves. Which, if you think about that logically, like there's an end to that road because you can't be all things to all people. You can't create custom experiences and custom processes for each individual client. Like you can't scale that way. It's like that's the conundrum ultimately that Mm -hmm. you got to have tech help you solve. And there's a lot more that goes into that, right? Your target client, who are you chasing? um, Can you find a common theme with systems and tech that you can surround those clients with that can help solve some of the problems that they have? And then as we mentioned earlier, like get nails on the issues or your expectations that the clients have of uh, your service and your value and dial that in and be nimble and be willing to change it as we continue to go down the road of value compression until ultimately we can have control of our revenue and at that point like it gives us another lever you might be able to go back upstream but until then here we are so here's an interesting concept so the 80 20 rule right because you brought something up it's like well if we can just automate all of our clients, then you know eventually there's no need for a broker because we're just automating the flow, right? Which we all know isn't the case. Like every middle large market customer reaffirms the fact that they want their broker involved, right? But if you can automate the 80, right? The, the very consistent flow that allows you to spend more time on the 20, those, those unique accounts that need more service, need more support, need more solution solving, whatever it is, right? I think that's where um, if I, you know, if I'm a brokerage, that's what I'm thinking about is how do I, auto- I know I'm never going to capture everything in a bucket because it's just impossible. There's too much variability on certain types of risks and exposures and all those things. But if I can capture the 80 and really automate as much of that as possible, it's going to free me up, hopefully to go spend time on those other 20 that just are very kind of, you know, square peg round hole type deals that just take a little bit more work and oversight. And I think that's, you know, I think instead of waiting for the silver bullet is my point on that, because it's just not going to come where it's like, oh man, everything is perfect. You got to start with, okay, can this capture 80% allows me to work on the 20 and we can grow into, you know, other solutions over time. Well, I had a spot on way to look at it. And I would, I would add something onto that in regards to the 20 and this some, something I get super passionate about because we're not thinking about this from a client experience perspective enough, right? So allowing you to focus on that 20, like let's say we have a lot of these clients that if firms have been around for any length of time, you know, you've got clients that have been with you 10, 15, 20 years, right? Well, those are good relationships and they may never 
have gone out and looked at somebody else that's doing innovative things, right? Or maybe they did and they got a quote here, they got a quote there because most of the time they're not really looking. And so a lot of times we can get lazy with those accounts, right? We, oh, they're, they're on autopilot. They're doing great. Like we don't have to worry about them, but think about what happened. If you're not the one bringing them new value and you're not the one thinking about these different things that you should be to improve their experience, what happens when somebody does? Right. So it's not, I'm not talking about bringing a new carrier to them for cheaper price that they're just going to come back to you and say, hey, I saved 15% by that guy. Why don't you, you know, take that to my current carrier and, and make it better? Like somebody says, Hey, I'm introducing this solution to you called Pharaoh that's going to allow you to do this, 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 and this and make your life that much easier. And they're like, Holy crap. I didn't even know this was possible. You know, and all of a sudden they're questioning your relationship. Like, why haven't you brought me something like this? Like you're gonna, it's you're not gonna recover from that. It's going to be that will break relationships so fast, and uh, that's where I, I say this wave is coming. Like that's the type of stuff that if you're not protecting those twenty percent, which is probably driving eighty percent of your revenue, by the way, correct. Um, <laughs> those are the ones that you really do need to be bringing new value to. Because if you automate and you screw up one of the smaller ones, like none of us want to do that, obviously. But that's not going to sink your business. You know, no, you don't consistently think about and bring value to these ones that have probably trusted you for a long time. And you've probably, if you're being honest with yourself, taken advantage of that trust to a degree. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody's going to bring the thing that they want or need that they didn't even know existed. They weren't even questioning, right? And it's like if if we would have asked, you know, people back in the day if they needed a car or what do they need, they said a faster horse, right? They wouldn't have said I need a car. And and like we we changed that dynamic. And so that's what's happening right now. And we get super passionate about this because we want all of you out there listening to start to question this and start to think about what do I need to be bringing my clients? Like Ryan said, understand their problems, go out and figure out how to solve those problems. You do that consistently, you're going to win every day. And it puts you as a salesperson in a different echelon as a trusted advisor, right? That's You guys talk about that all the time is now we're talking about C-suite things that the C-suite cares about, right? You know, placement, covering risk, insurance, like all that kind of stuff is got it. Good to go. Yeah. Um, lights. Hold on. Lights back on. Uh, but that's, that's, I was listening. My light keeps turning off. You haven't picked that up. <laughs> no, it's just Elliot having light bulb moments. Every yeah. Like. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> actually, he's actually plugged into the grid. <laughs> yeah. You can tell when he starts to doze off during a podcast because the lights start to dim. Just, <laughs> I just, I got to shake a little bit and then I. He's not telling our guests that they're boring. (laughs) (laughs) No, we have derailed. Real quick. I mean, holy crap, Elliot. You finally brought a little value. And I think we're going to trademark relationship breaker. Yeah, that's nice. Right? Like, because we just did, right? I mean, it's recorded. Yeah, exactly. We'll get it to our attorneys. And if anybody wants to come after us, we'll have the letter ready to go. (laughs) So relationship breaker, like that's the kind of stuff that, and that's how you should be thinking about it. If you're going to add a piece of tech, if you're going to change your client experience, look at it through the lens of, can you take this and go down the street to a prospect and is it powerful enough to, you know, be a real wide open? Yeah be a be a relationship breaker, right? And if that's the case, then you might have legs to start implementing some of the stuff. 
or paying for the subscription. Hashtag relationship breaker. Skinner <laughs> written down. Episode ti- episode title just established. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but but I agree. That's how we should be looking at any of this because it goes back to, you know, what's that experience that our particular clients want to drive. So let's keep working this tech stack though, because I want to complete kind of the last part. Chris, you've you've talked about a couple things in here, but just CRM in general that you've seen that you like. I mean, we all hear the Salesforce, blah, blah, blah of the world, but you know, what are you experiencing out there that really takes things to the next level from that prospecting lead gen, all that? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's always interesting because the, I feel like a CRM is only as good as the data you can get to your CRM. And that's a challenge, right? Because it's not just a new prospect relationship management tool, which is how most of us probably use CRMs today, right? Because then once we get client onboarded, they move into AMS and then that's kind of where they live. And there's this like, you know, kind of decoupling to a degree of of that sort of experience management piece. So so I think that's always an interesting challenge to overcome. And that's where, you know, I I think there's bits and pieces of CRMs out there that that capture elements of the of that, you know, kind of say broader Salesforce experience, but with a little bit more data included. You guys are aware of enable. I kind of include them in a CRM to a degree, a part of what they do, and and mostly because of what it does in terms of helping a producer cross reference his book, identify where there's opportunities to you know to to cross sell, to go out and get in front of clients that you know don't have X, Y, or Z. So I love what they're doing on that front. To be honest, that I don't know if again they probably wouldn't classify themselves in the CRM. I don't. I think that's a probably extraordinarily unfair to them to just put them in that little box. They have a CRM-esque feature though to yeah. what they yeah. can do from a data perspective. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I honestly, that's probably pretty high on my list. Um, again, just for what they can do with the data and help a producer go out and be more effective on an existing book. In yeah. particular. Uh, that's an interesting spin on it for sure. I, uh, and like this, that that is a conundrum for sure on the CRM perspective and what I, always encourage people to especially sales leaders is if you're just requiring information to be entered into your uh, CRM for management or you know micromanagement be worse uh, perspective just to get data just to get that that's the only reason people aren't going to want to do it right because they don't have value to them so try to think of ways in, to incorporate how can I get the data I need but use it to provide value back to my team so whether that's conversion rates and bring your resources to them on where we're where we're falling off or closing ratios and we see that dip and what what are we doing differently that we shouldn't have our niche marketing and what's working like taking industries that you're really killing right now and going back to the team and saying hey use enable to say hey here's 50 more prospects in this area we're closing these 10 percent higher than anything else use that information or, or set up your crm to gather that information so you can bring that back to your team and that's what's going to make them want to enter more information into the CRM, right? One other I'd plug, Elliot, then I'd ask you to actually the borrow time I mentioned it kind of lends ops and sales. They have a yeah. like kind of quote unquote CRM component on their piece that actually ties in well with Salesforce too. So it's probably two that come to mind. Uh, 
that are quasi fit. What? Are, how about you? What are you guys seeing from a CRM perspective? Yeah, I mean, other than what you've mentioned, I don't know that there's any like specific. I know that like again, kind of depends on where you're at. But, like Better Agency has some good CRM esque, you know, functions, uh, particularly for those smaller mid sized firms. But yeah, I mean, otherwise you just basically hear Salesforce, which HubSpot, you know, again, if you're looking for some bigger build outs are really good customizable systems. Um, I know several people using HubSpot for a lot of that. So they're out there. There are some other that I'm not as familiar with that I've heard a lot about though, like insured mine and, you know, some of those that I think are doing some cool stuff. So all ones to certainly check out, um, have different, you know, focuses and depending on what you want to get. And again, that's something to be intentional about. Like, don't just go buy a CRM to get data or, or to, to track a pipeline, right? They're yep. much more than that. And they can accomplish much more. If you want to have automated marketing, freaking light turn back on. There it is. And uh, you want to have automated marketing or, you know, just whatever you're trying to accomplish, you know, um, go into it with that lens, figure out what problem you're trying to solve. So, um, but no, I think that kind of, is a good spot to to round up. We went backwards on this one, which is good, you know, started I, the AMS side. So it's always entertaining when we have Mr. Chris Sankbao. A lot of rabbit trails. A lot of rabbit trails to run now, boys. <laughs> yeah. there it is. We did pretty good. I think we did pretty good. So thanks for coming on, man. It was fun. And always a pleasure. Yep. Thanks for those out there listening, though. Check out Project Pharaoh, how can they get a hold of you guys, Chris, if they want to know more about what you're doing with Pharaoh? Yeah, uh, Chris at projectpharaoh.com. You can always go check out the website at, at projectpharaoh.com as well. And happy to help out any way we can. That's F E R R O. Thank you, Bob. So we'll yeah. send you a two dollar Venmo for the launch shadow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got you. I'll, I'll send that your direction. All right, thanks, man. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to continue breaking down barriers and finding solutions together. If you would like to reach out regarding anything you heard in today's episode, find links and contact info in the description. Until next time, have a great day.